If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Welcome, everybody. It's Podcast Unlocked, IGN's weekly Xbox show for February 9th, 2021. And as usual, I am joined by the usual crew. Not not always, I guess mostly usual. Sometimes people dip in and out, but we've got the group back here. Miranda Sanchez, good to see you. Hello, I'm back from vacation. It was Yay. very nice. I'm glad to hear it. Did, uh, did you just play a bunch of video games and chill out um i try to take away time from my scream and specifically from this spot so i i read a lot i (laughs) journaled a lot and i did play some games i started a second island for animal crossing don't ask (laughs) and then i also played the medium uh well we'll talk about that in a second uh brandon tyrell welcome back good to see you again (laughs) hello good morning you are looking uh just more suit styled yeah it's (laughs) you're 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 like uh just getting more <laughs> fashionable by the day. The oh, hair's growing. Fashionable is not the word I would use. I, uh, I dream about a haircut these days. <laughs> you just have to drive to out of California, and I'm sure you can yeah. get one. Get, get, get one of those <laughs> Reno, Nevada haircuts. Oh, thanks for the close-up. Wow. I'm helmet. from Reno. What yeah, the I was going to say, you go, you go visit Cam. That's rude. <laughs> it's the closest big little city I could think of. Hey, no, there's hey, there's some good people. People give some good haircuts in Reno. I'm not saying all places, but <laughs> where I get my haircut, Reno. it's good. So Famous for the haircuts. <laughs> no. Uh, Cam Hawkins, good to see you. Uh, good to see you too, Ryan. How, how's everybody doing? Uh, mostly good. So Daisy the Boxer is behind me today. Uh, she's she's just hanging out. You can't see her on camera. But if you hear a really sad dog coughing, the poor poor pup's got got a, a nasty cough going. So I'm taking her to the vet this week. So just kind of making sure she's she's staying close at all times. So uh, it's if you hear a, a random hacking sound, that's what it is, and you should feel <laughs> sad and not laugh. Oh. Oh no! <laughs> Just to get the show started on the highest of notes, <laughs> somber uh, note. <laughs> no, uh, she'll be fine. I'm sure. It's you know, I'm sure she just has a 
little kennel cough or something, but uh, we'll get, that's what veterinarians are for. So we'll get it taken care of. All right. Uh, there's a lot to cover this week. It was a very, very busy week of news, but first some leftovers from last week. And this is totally on me. I started the show last week with, yeah, the medium. We're going to talk about well, well, our thoughts on that. That was our homework assignment from the week before because of the embargo. We couldn't talk about it two shows ago. And then what happened? We got uh, right into our main Mass Effect topic, and I completely forgot about the medium. So let's let's circle back Can't to it. Especially you. now we've got everybody back. So uh, everyone's done their homework assignment. And, you know, Cam, I'm going to go your way first because I know you finished it and none of the, the rest I of did. us have just put in some time. So what are your thoughts on the medium? The first the the first official next gen Xbox exclusive. Yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not something that I think that people should base off what the capabilities of, you know, the series actually the series S can do from a graphical standpoint, technical standpoint. But it's it's a it's a really uh, like. I want to, I, I think the game's really unique. Like I think that the, the, the switching of the camera shots, uh, when you, when you, uh, walk around and, uh, there's some fun puzzles in there and, uh, you know, there, there's like, there was like one jump scare. Cause I'm not a big horror game person. Um, yeah. but I, you know, I played through this one and there was only one time where I legitimately like jumped from something that popped up at me, but, uh, you know, genuinely it's like, I thought the story was pretty interesting. Um, and, you know the ending was uh, was was good. I, I enjoyed it overall. It was a, it was a it was a fun little experience. Um, you know nothing to um, to highly uh, like praise about, but I definitely think that it's like um, a, a great game for for Game Pass uh, subscribers. And uh, you know hopefully uh, in the future, whatever Bloober team is working on, like it, it definitely was an ambitious. I feel like there was a lot of ambition in this game, yeah. despite it, the budget not being like of a triple a, uh, level. Um, but it will be interesting to see, uh, hopefully, you know, this is a, this is a great like portfolio piece to show like maybe future publishers or future, uh, people that are willing to fund yeah. Bloober team's next project. Like, Hey, like they, th they can make really unique, interesting games that, uh, that like could be even more, uh, that could be like that AAA level if they are given the money for it. And like some of the cutscenes, like like the one that we're seeing right now, like it looks good. Like the models look good. Like, but again, it just doesn't. I don't think it hits the level of like the power of what the Xbox Series X could could give. Yeah, I think you make a good point about. Uh, I mean, kind of for better and for worse, this game probably got more attention than it would have if it had come out in six months or a year because it is the first actual Xbox Series exclusive. And so uh, as a result, they got probably more players willing to give it a look. It got some more attention. But at the same point, you know, it, get, you know, it gets a little more scrutiny as well. You're right. It's, you know, it doesn't run at 60 frames. Um, it's, it doesn't have quite the highest production values, but it's it looks decent. And, and the whole technical reason that it's, a next-gen exclusive is because, as be as it becomes very clear early on in the game and throughout the game, it's effectively running two games at the same time with the spirit world stuff and the real world stuff, and you're moving around in in one or the other or both at the same time. Um, Miranda, what what did you think of the the time that you were able to put in? Um, it's definitely got a fun, like spooky mood. I think it it kind of 
as Cam was saying, edged right on like the line of horror where I think for people maybe like us who aren't as good at handling very intense <laughs> horror could still enjoy it and like find the fun in the story that it's trying to tell between like, the you know, the land of the dead versus like land of the living and this person who, you know, the medium between them. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I did like the puzzles and how things were sort of set up. Um, I didn't get too far in it. I had some other plans and honestly, I was kind of surprised. It's like, oh man, I made it time for this this conversation, but I wish I would have played a little bit more so I was a little bit better prepared. Um, but I do like how things are set up. Um, as far as the actual gameplay goes, I do like the attention to detail and like every little piece of, of information you can kind of pick up and interact with. Um, I also like how your player character, when she's walking around, like she will specifically notice something. You can see like the character, like look at it so you don't miss it. Cause not everything's interactable, but there are things that you could miss. Um, and so I like how that played pretty well. I also liked just like a fun thing. I liked that there was a cat at the beginning and then I got to keep the <laughs> cat. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I, I will keep playing through this. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to see where it'll go. Cam, do you think, uh, before I go to Brandon, Cam, do you think there's, there's sequel potential here? Or does it feel more like a one-off to you? It does feel like a one-off. Um, and I, and I like don't want to explain why, because that, that would somewhat uh, spoil the ending yeah. of the game. But it definitely does feel like a uh, a one like a one off game that um, you know up for interpretation type aspect uh, to it. That I'm I'm I, personally like while I really like what they did here, it's kind of like I don't know. I get remedy vibes from from this game, where in the sense of like. I feel like that this is a, a nice one and done game and I would like to see Bloober team work on something next, uh, like new, that's a new IP that, you know, might be of the same aspects of the medium or, you know, the, of the type of genre that, that they're playing with here and um, see where they go with that. Cause yeah, I think that like the story uh, in this game is, is more or less over by the end of it. And I don't really see the potential for a sequel. Um, so the sequel could be the medium well, and then a prequel could be the medium <laughs> rare. <I know. laughs> it's too late. Uh, you can't undo what I just said. Anyway, uh, Brandon Tyrell, from the time you spent, what were your thoughts on this one? Didn't spend any time at all, Ryan. <laughs> just pass you by. We'll yeah. just move right along. Well, I, uh, I don't. I don't play the spooky games because I don't. Listen. I don't enjoy them whatsoever. You know, there's Miranda no, doesn't no... either, but she did her homework, so she yeah, gets I... a she gets an A, and you We're... get an F. Okay, we need to go back to the stacks because <laughs> I specifically said at the end of the last episode that I was not going to play this game. Uh, I no. I, I mean, that's fair. I, I used to really, really enjoy spooky games. Um, I think until I, I don't know I don't know when this shift happened, but at some point I just I stopped. I just it's not a fun time for me, um, and we are in kind of a world where there are so many games to play that I don't have to play spooky games uh, if 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 there's a reason for me not to. And the reason for me uh, to not play spooky games is that I physically don't enjoy them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Physically, <laughs> no, it's true. Because like I, physically, I've said, I've said this no, before. Attention's tough. When you when you watch a scary movie, you can you know close your eyes or like white knuckle through it. But when you play a scary game, the story doesn't continue until you you actively are like okay, I know uh, I know the badness is coming, but I have yeah. to walk through it. You know, and that's yeah. that's just not an experience that's built for me, and that's fine. 
Yeah, I, it's definitely for those out there wondering who might be thinking, well, wait a second, I don't like horror games either. I don't maybe I'm not going to play this. It's definitely it's not like body horror. It's it's no. more of just kind of psychological horror. So uh, and even yeah, I, I would agree that the, I played uh, maybe two or three hours and it I don't know quite how far into the game that would put me, but it's. There was I had the one jump scare too. I don't know if it's presumably the same one that Cam was talking about. Uh, it's early-ish in the game, yeah. not like super early, but um, yeah, I, it's it's more it's a little creepy. Uh, but I, I, it's funny, Cam, that you said remedy vibes because that was I previewed this before it came out, like right, in fact, right before the holidays, and then the preview published right after, right at the beginning of the new year after we got back. And I, I called that out. Like it, I thought it was it was Alan Wakey in a lot of ways, in mm-hmm. in a lot of good ways. And that's uh, I still feel that way after spending some time with it. But yeah, it's a solid game. Glad you know it's a nice exclusive for Xbox. And uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Hopefully, Bloober Team will will keep making exclusive Xbox games and and keep upping their their game figuratively and literally. All right, uh, next up, let's get to the news proper because there is a lot of it this week. First up, there appears to be a big new Halo game uh, spinning up that's not Halo Infinite, something else. I know it's shocking that there would be other Halo games from Microsoft's biggest franchise, but there was a, a job listing on Microsoft's site, still there, for a producer at 343, and it's uh, it went up on February 6th, so a few days ago as we record here, and uh, the listing states that 343 is looking to hire a producer, quote, to help develop a new project in the Halo universe, which presumably signals that the new employee would not be working on Infinite, as I said. The job listing specifically asks for experience in shipping AAA games for the current generation, which all but rules out the idea that uh, that this would come in something else, like a mobile game or a, some sort of other transmedia experience, like a, you know, a... a an anime or, or something like that. It, it does appear to be a big game. Uh, now there's no clues about what kind of game it is, but, uh, or when we might see it. Now uh, I want to go around the room first here, Brandon Tyrell, what, what mm-hmm. would you want to see if you're, you know, you're kind of thinking, all right, if there's another big budget halo game spinning up, what would, what would you want to see? Cause obviously it's probably not going to be anything too close to, a mainline Halo first-person shooter. It's going to be some other some other vein. You know, it's going to tap into some other vein. I'm curious why you would think that this wouldn't be the groundwork and the pre-production being laid for the next mainline Halo. But maybe. I mean, you might be right, and that's 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 fair to bring up for sure. I mean, we do know that uh, from when Miranda and I had talked to the the leads on Halo back at the gameplay reveal. Uh, the now infamous gameplay reveal that they had mm-hmm. said, you know, there there won't be a Halo Infinite two. They'll just right. keep, you know, building on this. But that that doesn't invalidate your point at all. So so you think maybe this is this is simply just kind of keeping the infinite story train rolling as time goes on. Maybe right. I mean, look, it's it's a producer role, and producers touch every part of the project. So you know, who knows? Like this this could be another drop within that sort of infinite ecosystem that they're building up, or like you said, it could be a Halo Wars thing as well. But the timing timing wise, you know, we we know Halo Infinite was ideally already supposed to be out. So this last bit of development, you know, this last year that they're working on is mainly polish and getting everything in order. So 
uh, it stands to reason I think they could be scoping out whatever the the team or that you know that the Halo project teams with an S um, next thing is going to be, uh, and bringing on a producer to help scope pre production and and all of that stuff makes sense to me. Um, I mean, without speculating, who knows? It could be anything. Like the Halo brand is you could you could take it anywhere in any direction. Um, but just as far as the timing lines up, we could be looking at something that's set to come down the pipe four or five years from now. That's a that's great points there. Miranda, if so, you know, Brandon mentions could be a Halo Wars type of thing. And uh, I, and my observation from reading this was I've, I've seen enough of game development. I'm not a game developer, but I do know that producers don't necessarily have to uh, especially with Halo, where 343 and Microsoft control it, this could be a 343 producer on something that's being developed out of house in the same way that Halo Wars, like there were 343 producers at, that worked on Halo Wars that was made at Creative Assembly. Well, the second one was Creative Assembly. So what what would you want to see if, if uh, let's say that this is some sort of branching out of the Halo universe? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this, and honestly, I'd like a confined, like, short storytelling experience like we saw with ODST. Um, obviously, it had a lot of similar mechanics to the mainline Halo series, but because you're not playing as a Spartan, I think having that different perspective is really neat. And as much as I do think Halo Wars is cool, I don't just want their offshoots to be, like, tactical games. Like, I want to explore other things as well. Um, one thing I really liked about ODST was the mood of it. Like, it's very yes. different from the rest of Halo. It's got that kind of noir mystery sort of thing going on, and I would really like for them to play with more tones in the Halo universe. Um, and obviously, I think there's a lot of stories that could be told, too. So, um, taking away from maybe even just, like, the Spartans as a whole and moving on to other places would be really neat. I don't know what that would look like. Honestly, I haven't read a lot of the newer books. I've only read, like, two of the books. Um, and those were, like, the, the first few. So um, I, know, I know there's a lot of lore out there that they could probably play with if they wanted to get into something that's already established. This week's Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts... NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's N O R D V P N dot com slash U N L O C K D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Cam, how about you? What would you want to see? Man, like, it's it's kind of hard because, you know, my first thought was like, oh, it's going like, to, it could be like Halo Wars 3, um, just because, you know, it's... And it could be. Recent. Yeah, yeah, it very much, yeah, very much could be. Um, but and then I think I'm trying to think about like what other kind of genre that would fit Halo in that sense where that would you know that would make sense for that for that world in that universe and I'm just, and I just really can't think of anything like I could I, and and I I really don't think that whatever they're working on is a first person shooter I just it just doesn't really make sense to me unless it is uh, kind of what we were talking about before is that it is a um, it is like an additional campaign that's going to come to infinite, right? Cause they said that like Halo infinite is going to be a living game in both single player and multiplayer. Um, so that like that definitely could be a possibility, but that also just doesn't seem, seem right to me. It just doesn't feel right in my gut. So I really don't know what it, what it could be. Um, and, and I, again, like I just don't think like really any other genre outside of the, uh, you know, kind of like the RTS that we get in Halo Wars, like that would fit um in halo i mean like it could be i don't know it it could be like uh like space battles or something like that maybe like that 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 could be a re- something um but i don't know but I, I, like regardless like i'm i'm excited for more halo you know i'm i've, I've been playing through uh the campaigns uh leading up to uh, halo infinite this year and and i just like it's just like one of those times where you just forget how good halo is yeah and now i'm just like uh you know, hearing that more Halo's coming, I'm excited. Well, hey, space battles were touched on in Halo Reach. You know, it's uh, it yeah. is a, it is a place that, that the series has gone before, boldly gone before, uh, but only for one mission. And but it was it was probably the most memorable mission in Halo Reach, I would argue. So um, now, yeah, for me, like I really enjoyed both Halo Wars games. That said, I'm not sure I need another one. I feel like two, I had my fill of it with two of them. I mean, if they, if there is a third one, sure, I'd play it. I mean, it would, it would look better. It would run better on the Series X for sure. I mean, we, this is a series that has spanned. It's, it's, the first one was on 360. The second one was on Xbox One. Um, but yeah, I, Halo Wars, I'm, I'm pretty set uh, there. The, the thing, I think the, maybe the most obvious one that, that uh, none of us are mentioning because we're all a bunch of horror game Freddy cats is, <laughs> is a horror game where you could be like just a, a human Marine or something, mm-hmm. a non Spartan, like encountering the flood on a random planet. And we're, and you have no idea 
what you know what what's happening. Oh my god! Because they could, be they could use trying to use uh, trying to wear that same game developer hat that that Brandon uh, has professionally worn before and and ably uh, used there in in this. And when he was talking that about his opinion that this maybe could just be future content for Infinite Pipeline, but you, know, you could if you if they make a, a horror game that they could uh, not only use the same uh, engine. It could be first person. It could use the same infinite engine that they've spent all this time and money building. And, you know, horror games do sell. They are popular. There's kind of a, there aren't a lot of really like triple A ones anymore. Resident mm-hmm. Evil being the, the most obvious example. Uh, like Silent Hill's been MIA for years. And, and uh, you know, so it's, I wonder if, if a first person horror game a revolving around the flood could be the way to go if uh, as it, far as you know halo branching out into something new it's funny that you mentioned that and at the risk of sounding like a hypocrite i was about to say like how cool would it be to do a first person <laughs> horror survival game how uh, dare you <laughs> right well, well, think, think, let's make miranda you, you, review it here's the problem with i it, would do right? that i would suffer for that i would suffer for halo <laughs> oh my god just that though uh, I'll cry, a, but you know I'll write them a review. I was crying <laughs> while I was doing this because it was so scary. But you know. the the problem with the Halo is, uh, universe is power creep, right? Because we're at a point now where you have interdimensional like machines that bend space and time. So there's this element where you feel like in the Halo universe, it's got to keep getting bigger and better, and that's kind of what we saw with Halo Five, right? Um, to the point where it it's kind of almost lost its potency, I think. But if you strip it down and you bring it back to the very basics where, Ryan, to your great point, if you were a Marine, right, if you were just uh, part of the USMC and you were on some weird remote border planet in a village and you encounter the flood for the first time or, you know, elites in their cloaking. Imagine the first sequence where you're walking through it and you hear like, or or that that like plasma sword. Like light up and oh you can't God. see it. You just see the plasma sword like <laughs> oh at the God. end of a long hallway, and you're like, "What the?" You know. Um, I would say, I guess that's it's not that's not too scary though, because at least for me, just because we fought so many elites, like yeah. I already know what the plasma sword can do. It's fine. We're good. But, but um, like even I, if I were just like a grunt, like that's I think they would have to shift how things are portrayed. And honestly, I think just focusing on the flood because i think they are a little bit more freaky as far as oh, things because yeah. they're really quiet and gross and you can experiment <laughs> so, with them more you could have like other flood mutations and things and, yeah, and have some exactly. creature designs yeah because so, at the end yeah. of the day the flood is just it's kind of boring almost it's just like big meat sacks that run at you <laughs> I like you know flood. like well, you, I like you need flood. to like integrate it with characters kid. yeah right I mean, I think even if you're looking at this setup, like you could see maybe some Marines who get stranded on a planet somewhere battling the Covenant, and then like one of them's about to get, you know, offed by an elite, and then just it goes dark and no one knows what happens, and then you just wake up in like caves and, and other systems, and you just have to find your way out of the flood, and it's sort of a survival horror where you have really limited ammo. And there's a lot of things you can do with it. Yeah, I really want like a Bioshock level of unreliable narrator Ooh. where the grave oh, yeah. mind is like walking Ooh. you through how to get out. <gasps> That'd and you're fun. you're secretly yeah. like going deeper in and and doing what only humans can do, you know, like kind of the plot of 
uh, Halo one or two, I guess. <laughs> All right, Phil, hire uh, us. Or, or that was hire three, us. We, yeah. we got something cooking here. Yeah, Brandon, <laughs> did you apply for this producer role? Because I'm thinking not. maybe you should. I did not. I did not. I'm very happy right here on Unlocked, a fine uh, podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Brandon, I'll tell you, I think you made an excellent point about about the power creep in the in the mm-hmm. uh, series. And I mean, yeah. Miranda, you you hit on it with. I mean, that was one of the strengths of ODST. Is it is it you know you weren't a Spartan and it and things suddenly you know enemies that used to you could be able to just flick them away were suddenly <laughs> like pretty darn dangerous in ODST. And so, so yeah, good. I mean, you wouldn't even necessarily have to be a Marine, a UNSC Marine in a, in a Halo horror game, first person horror game. You could just be a citizen. You could just be oh a God, random. Yeah. Yep guy who, or, or girl who's who just like happens upon this and and gets drawn into this nightmare so that's that's the beauty of like resetting the context right you can strip things down so imagine you're just a lowly marine or a civilian and you see um you know whoever the equivalent of like the sarge uh and he's like barking orders and and kicking ass and taking names and then suddenly he turns around and elite just picks him up by the face and kills him like right in front of you that resets your entire context for how dangerous those things right. are going to be and then imagine like odst the first time you see odst drop in with the like whoosh, and the pod comes out of the atmosphere and lands like what a cool moment that is or even better a spartan landing in front of you you know so I think that I think that uh, that universe is ripe for more stories, but instead of expanding, it needs to kind of retract almost in order to make things more relatable and human. Yeah, and hey, l- restore Halo to being a proper M-rated game like it used to oh, be, man. right? I would love <laughs> that. <laughs> it, it was M-rated, and then uh, the ESRB figured out, wait a minute, this isn't really this is teen, this is T for teen. <laughs> you go you go full horror, and it could go back to being an M-rated game. So we yeah. need more screaming. Well, I think more we've got it. I think we cracked more, the code. We've more figured human out alien kisses. <laughs> we've figured out what this should be, and it's a first-person horror game. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So the the other uh, just final item of note on this uh, from this job listing, it does cite large project team in there and experience shipping triple A games. So whatever it is, it does sound like it's a it's a fairly large scale project. So um, you know whether 343 would develop it internally after because you know you got to figure once infinite ships the whole you know they don't need the whole studio on you know they're going to continue supporting it so you could maybe carve out another team to start on another thing or as i said earlier this could be a thing where they partner up with an outside studio as they did with halo wars to uh to make something and and it could be a an total third-party studio or it could be one of the other internal Microsoft studios. Now that there are 7,000 internal Microsoft studios, yeah, that's true. Uh, including a whole slew of new ones from Bethesda. I mean, you never know, right? You never know where, where Microsoft, they've got a lot of options now of where they and, can go with this. And, and remember the Halo universe is kind of ripe for licensing. I don't know if you guys remember Spartan Assault, the twin stick shooter. Yeah. That to me isn't AAA, but you know, right. that's sort of a subjective term at this point. Um, in addition to the arcade machine we went and saw. Now the fact that it's a listing for current gen kind of throws that out there, but we could be looking at almost anything, almost <laughs> anything. So yeah, uh, it's a long wait until we figure out more about what that is. Uh, and finally, speaking of Halo 343, also teased a little something with regard to the Master Chief Collection, which Cam, you said you're rolling through now on Legendary, roll, running back through the campaigns. 
in the 343's latest MCC weekly flighting and development update, it said uh, that while things can change, they're trying to offer fans of the Master Chief Collection a new way to play. That's got to be xCloud, right? Is, it, yeah. is there anything else it would be? I'll so go. Uh, yeah, go LG's ahead. Whoever it's starting to go. Sorry. I was just saying, Nintendo Switch. That would be wild. I, it's not out of the question. <laughs> no. It could happen. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not a question, but I don't think that is the case. No, that's, <laughs> that's just not, the... No, no. That's like the last game that <laughs> that Xbox would put on the Nintendo Switch. Halo is like the poster child, you know? Like, it's, that's not going to happen. But uh, wishful thinking, to say the least. Um, so, yeah, it's got, it's got to be xCloud. I mean, it, the Mas- with the Master Chief Collection not being on xCloud, uh, it's got to be. Like, it's got to be on xCloud as soon as, as soon as they're ready for it. So, it, yeah, you can basically like write that check and send it to the bank right <laughs> it's certainly not going to be stadia so i imagine it's Oof. i imagine well, stadia is still alive they're just not developing anything for it internally at google anymore but but to cam's, to cam's point you want to keep that as close to the chest as exactly. like you, you keep that in-house as, as possible so playing master chief collection on your phone via xcloud sounds like a new way to play it to me you know yeah so uh assuming we're correct on that look for that in the not too distant future next up this week yet another big story there are many e3 uh will be back in digital form no meat space show this year which at this point in time so far in 2021 is not a surprise the esa saying quote we can confirm that we are transforming the e3 experience for 2021 and we'll soon share exact details on how we're bringing the global video game community together. We are having great conversations with publishers, developers, and companies across the board, and we look forward to sharing details about their involvement soon. Now, the plan includes having multiple two-hour keynote sessions from game partners from June 15th to the 17th, roughly the same time of year that E3 has always occurred, an awards show a June 14th preview night, and other smaller streams from game publishers, influencers, and media partners. The broadcast event would be preceded by a media preview week, yay for us, uh, and getting our coverage together in a timely manner, and demos would be released to the public, yes, during E3 2021 to help celebrate the future of video games. Um, Miranda, your thoughts first here on the uh, return in digital form of E3. I'm curious to see how this is all going to play out production-wise, but most are just kind of like, okay, cool. Just another thing to have on the books. Good to know that they're going to be doing something that they're planning ahead. Um, I mean, last year was like kind of a, a very much in the air of, is this as bad as we think it is? Yes, it is. <laughs> and so until <laughs> we got to the yes, it is, they didn't really have a way to um, sort of, I guess, pivot from where they were. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't know, more digital events are always good. I think there's some different, I guess, companies that have done really good digital events. I know there was like the DC fan show. I fandom. Exactly. Fandom. fandom. Yeah. I was fandom. like, is that really fandom? Was that what it was? Yeah. Yes. Uh, that was a really fun show to watch. So I hope if they could somehow match that, that's, that's what I want to see more of. <laughs> Um, and honestly, I think I really loved our summer gaming, but that was a kind of a different format as far as it being a little bit more, um, 
long, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, so if we are going for like a concise, focused event, uh, fandom is the thing that I look to as far as uh, events online. So hopefully something like that. Cam, what say you, sir? It's kind of a mixed bag to me because part of me is just like, why don't all these people just do their own stuff during the, you know, during the time of E3 and not have to worry about all of the kind of third party things and they can just focus on their own stuff, uh, be, like with it all be, being all digital uh, specifically. Um, but then another side of me is just like not all games and developers have that luxury uh, like Xbox and, and Sony and Nintendo do and EA and all that stuff. So it, it's kind of like, I, I'm, I'm glad that it's happening for the sake of like smaller developers and those that like, you know, wouldn't particularly get a spot on like the Xbox stage or the, you know, or whatever Sony does or Nintendo. Um, but also part of me is just like, you know, we kind of got everyone to do their own thing last year and it turned out like pretty well in my opinion like you know i i i I don't have really any complaints so it's 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 kind of a we'll wait and see and see how things turn out see see like who specifically uh shows up and um and uh you know works with uh the esa on this so we'll we'll see well it's you you make you make a good point about would would some of the big boys even want to do this after branching out on their own last year? I mean, EA has not been officially part of E3 for several years now. They've done their own thing, which is uh, much to Miranda and my chagrin in our roles at IGN happens before E3 starts. So we have to go down there even earlier for the Saturday thing with EA. Uh, so EA has has not been in there. Uh, Act, I think Activision had pulled out uh, the, at the last actual E3 in 2019. Sony was not there in 2019 as well. Uh, so it's you know I, who's left, Brandon. I mean, what it's should should this even be a thing or or like is did E3 kind of miss its chance by not getting being able to get its act together last year? Um, I mean, I can't get too into it, um, but. I think last year caught the ESA by surprise in the same way it caught all of us off guard, which is how yeah. serious is this really? I mean, what is understandable? What are the restrictions yeah. going to be? So it, it really did like they ran out of time, right? Um, which is why there wasn't a huge E3 proper presence around that, you know, that time frame that we're used to seeing every single year. Um, this year, clearly, you know, with the benefit of foresight, and hindsight working for them, uh, they can plan out um, and and have some sort of digital, you know, presence that they're they're at least able to, you know, it's not going to capitalize on what they normally do in a physical year, right? And and I know a lot of people, like my friends and colleagues in the industry, are like lamenting the fact that there isn't a physical event because it's a great opportunity to not only see your friends from the industry, but um, to really network and, and make meaningful yeah. connections. Like so much of E3 is just the conversations you have with people around the event itself. Um, having said all that, I still think that there is space for the ESA to have some kind of event uh, in June, digital, uh, that caters to publishers, developers, um, basically anyone, you know, to Cam's point, anyone that isn't Microsoft or Sony or EA or, you know, these big, 
uh, even Konami sized Ubisoft. Um, there, there just, there's no real, it takes a lot to put a show like that on by yourself. EA has been doing it for years. Uh, a lot of these other people have started building their own stages and their own events and, and really drawing the attention. But you have to remember the real, the real power of E3 is bringing video games into the mainstream, right? Like E3 is when actual, like not industry trades, like pay or not industry media pays attention to video games. You get interview. I, I mean, Ryan and Miranda, you've both done them in years past, right? You get interviews oh, with yeah. USA Today or Newsweek or New York Times, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so the power of E3 is really bringing all eyes. It's it, to borrow a phrase that you use all the time, Ryan, it's the Death Star approach, right? Like this is that one time of year where all eyes and all efforts are focused squarely on what's happening in our industry. And you don't really get that with a digital event. So, um, you know, it, I should say you don't get the same amount of potency. So it is good that they're doing something. I think I saw like a six figure price tag to be involved, which seems yeah. contradictory to, you know, the the spirit of it, where if the guys who can't afford a six figure price tag are doing their own thing, what does that, you know, what does that do for the rest who can't afford to do their own thing? It's just putting them in the exact same situation. So you're also not a- buying booth space. Yeah, that's true too, which is weird because so much of that price tag I've heard, I mean, I've never seen the ledger or anything, but I've heard so much of that price tag was just the square footage of the uh, the convention center that you were purchasing. So um, it's still too early. I don't, I don't know what's going to shake out. You know, IGN will have its own plans as well. ESA will have its own plans. Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo are going to do their own thing, obviously, and we'll see EA play again for the fourth year in a row. So there's a lot up in the air right now. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to shake out yet, but every, I think everyone right now is looking at, at June and being like, okay, who are we, who are we teaming up with? What are we doing? Um, so it should be eventful and fun this year as well. It'll just be a little different again. Well, uh, Microsoft and, and Phil Spencer specifically in years past have, have, they have continually reiterated their support for E3 and wanting to be a part of it. So uh, presumably, we can count Microsoft in for this based on those past statements. But uh, we'll see. As I said, you know, EA has done their own thing. Sony skipped out on the last uh, proper E3. We shall see. Um, now, if uh, if we do get everybody signing up for this, and there there is sort of the the previews, the the what the fourteenth there. I presume that would be press conference day, and and I you know w- I wonder if everybody will even end up going in the same order. <laughs> you know we would see <laughs> we'd see uh, Microsoft in the morning, and then Ubisoft, then EA, and then Sony at night. But um, I don't even think it gets that comfortable anymore because <laughs> last year, like the first parties want to be close enough where they can ride each other's waves, and yeah, hype, but for, far enough away where they're not cannibalizing one another, and I. I mean, last year feels like a million years ago, but I think I recall last year they were like a week apart. Is that right? Or multiple uh, days apart? Well, uh, you mean the last proper E3 or, or 2020? No, 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 no. 2020. Well, oh, they were well up. I mean, it was Microsoft like, it was like went like in July and, and didn't, uh, well, didn't no, Sony Microsoft do their thing in a May June? event as well. Yeah. Right. The third party thing that didn't yeah. go over very well. So you're talking about three or, yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) So you're talking about three or four weeks space. So, I mean, it's the onus is on the ESA to have something uh, 
potent enough for them to want to be involved and that would dictate schedules. If it's not there, then why would Microsoft and Sony go in the same week or same month? You know, so it's just a lot. Go ahead. Yeah. I, oh, I just want to say that I do like the idea of having that expectation that these things are going to be together at once. Mm-hmm. So, um, Kim, to your point, like, it, it, yes, a lot of people did do their own conferences. But, for example, with Sony, it was just like, are you guys going to say anything soon? Like, what's happening? That game what of chicken was so frustrating. It yeah. took so long. And it's like every week it's like, is this the week they have a conference? Is this the week they announce something? Who can say? And so I think having that sort of schedule is really helpful. And that's one thing I did really appreciate that Microsoft did last year with all of their um, sort of planned Xbox announcements. And that was helpful for me just so we know that there's something happening. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, pre-pandemic, we did have sort of that expectation of, oh, this is happening. And really the only outlier for that was mostly Nintendo to an extent where Sony did even have, you know, its PlayStation fan events too, where they were going to have their own sorts of announcements and festivities. Um, and Xbox as well. So I think having E3, if anything, it's mostly for me just having the expectation of news, right? And of course, we don't know who's going to be there. Uh, And we're going to talk about Bethesda here soon. But I think there's a lot of questions as far as like what's going to be presented. But I think if the ESA is coming forth and saying, hey, we're going to do this, then they probably already have at least enough interest to have a digital event already that will be exciting enough for them to say, we have these two days scoped out. unless. they're just hoping people come, if I could say. Well, on that note, yes, Bethesda, that, that was the thing that occurred to me as well. Okay, if E3 is back and if Microsoft participates and has their press conference during that, uh, another frequent participant in E3 press conferences is Bethesda. They would typically, they would actually be the ones that would go first on mm-hmm. Sunday night if we're if we're not counting EA doing their own thing on Saturday. So, will does Bethesda have their own press conference, even though they, with the acquisition being finalized at some point this year, I would think no. Do you guys think that Bethesda would still do their own thing? No. I think if they were, this would be the last year. But I also agree with you. I don't think they're going to do their own event just because it's so expensive. And if you can curtail all the stuff that you want to show on to you know within microsoft's showcase then there's no reason to put your own thing out there uh, honestly it's a, i i think it kind of depends on what else they have to show right this isn't yeah. a w- evil within year this isn't right. uh you know like the smaller bethesda titles um death loop will be out and uh yeah. ghostwire, ghostwire tokyo, tokyo probably won't be but it's it's a PlayStation timed exclusive. That, that'll be so I guess Sony, that'll be yeah. on that'll be a Microsoft game on Sony's stage. What a, what a time to be alive! <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say no. Short answer. And yeah. Cam, you 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 said uh, you don't think there'll be a separate Bethesda press conference either. Yeah, no, I I uh, basically echo everything that uh, Brennan just said. Is that I don't think that they I don't really know what they would show and like even this year like if they if you know, hypothetically, there wasn't a acquisition and they did have their own show. I'm going to be like, I would just think, well, what are you showing? Because I yeah. feel like that there's, you know, that people are like a lot of games are being out right now. And then a lot of other developers are like in the middle of working on their next big titles that I just don't really know what they would what they would show. Like maybe Starfield, if that's if that's close to being shown off in any way. But 
And but outside of that, I just like I just can't really think about what else that they would show outside of like uh updates regarding their their live, you know, their live titles like Fallout 76, mm-hmm. um ESO maybe, things like that. So I I think I think we get that and you like they'll the more I think about it, the more I think like four or five minutes of Bethesda within the Microsoft showcase makes sense. Where to Cam's point, they'll they'll talk about ESO, they'll talk about the future for Doom, they'll talk about you know Death Loop post launch support maybe or something, and then and then drop Starfield. And if I were Microsoft, if I were if I were if I were Daddy Piggy Banks Microsoft, I would say, <laughs> all right, we just you gotta. We got to get you back out there in the spotlight. You know, you, you, you've had a rough couple of years. We got to get you back on it. And I would want a five second CGI tease to whatever the next Elder Scrolls is. Just be like a dragon, like winking at camera, you know, <laughs> something like that. They already did that last year, though. That's just yeah, a quick. Yeah, yeah. The no, but we have a right? dragon winking. <laughs> That was that was like two years ago. Or two years ago. Yeah, it was two years, years ago. ago. Yeah. It was two years ago. That was just for them to say, like, hey, it's coming. Yeah. Elder Scrolls 6 is coming. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Pretty much. My cat is also very well, uh, angry about this. I'm with you guys. I, I don't think there would be a separate Bethesda conference, uh, not only for the excellent point you guys are making about, you know, this feels like a an off, you know, and an, a development year rather than a show stuff year. Cause you guys, you guys already pointed death loop will be out from arcane. Uh, doom eternal just came out last year. And the second, there's the second uh, DLC story expansion that'll probably be out by E3. Uh, so, and they will be probably way too early on whatever their next thing is. Presumably a third mainline doom game. Um, yeah. And then ghostwire Tokyo, I can't imagine that's on Microsoft stage, given that it's a time PlayStation exclusive. Right. And so, yeah, you, the big one is Starfield and whether or not this is the year they show it off. I mean, I, I think, I think there's a pretty good chance because the the thing is we, when we've said this a bunch of times before, since the acquisition was announced, seven and a half billion dollars, you're going to want to make a big splash at the next big event which is E3. So, you know, you've spent that kind of money. You're going to want to have something major to show off at your Xbox press conference if you're Microsoft. And that that thing is Starfield, which, let's be honest, is, uh, I would argue, at, at this point in time, Starfield's would be the, an even bigger reveal than the next Halo Infinite reveal because we've already seen something of Halo Infinite, and this yeah, is the yeah. next Todd Howard game, the net their f- first original IP in forever. Starfield's the biggest card up their sleeve. It's the ace up their sleeve, and you just paid seven and a half billion. So yeah, I think no. I'm with you guys. No Bethesda separate press conference, and we'll see Starfield uh, be the thing at Microsoft's yeah. press conference this year. All right. Uh, speaking of Bethesda, unfortunately, some sad news to report with regard to Bethesda. Robert Altman, the founder and CEO to this to up till now uh, of Zenimax Media, has passed away at the age of seventy-three. He was born in nineteen forty-seven. He began his career as a lawyer in Washington D.C., which is, uh, probably explains in part why Bethesda is where it is in in Maryland, there outside of D.C. 
1999, Altman and Bethesda Softworks uh, founder Christopher Weaver established ZeniMax Media as the new parent company for the Maryland-based game studio. And under Altman, listen to this, ZeniMax grew to include a number of renowned game studios, including Arcane, id, Machine Games, Tango Gameworks, uh, which of course is now all going to be part of the Microsoft family. But combined, these studios worked on some of the biggest games in the industry, Fallout, Wolfenstein, Dishonored, Doom. Of course, Elder Scrolls is strangely not on that, that article write-up of ours. Uh, <laughs> and Mr. Altman survived by his wife, Linda Carter. Yes, that Linda Carter. Uh, and two children. Bethesda's company statement here is, quote, we are deeply saddened to tell you of the passing of Robert A. Altman, our founder and CEO. He was a true visionary, friend, and believer in the spirit of people and the power of what they could, ac could accomplish together. He was an extraordinarily, excuse me, he was an extraordinary leader and an even better human being. So uh, condolences to to, to uh, his wife, Linda Carter, to his children, and the, and the entire ZeniMax family. I mean, from, from I've never met him. I mean, I've met uh, a lot of Bethesda folks from, you know, Pete Hines, Todd Howard, uh, and a lot of game developers there, but I uh, never met Mr. Altman. But from, I saw so many developer posts on Twitter, all really expressing this similar sentiment that this was apparently, he, that Altman was really just a genuinely good person and not just a, you know, a guy in a suit making, you know, millions of dollars for a business. Um, well, oh, th that's right. There was, I guess the, the way to contextualize this for the unlocked crowd, just for, for, for our purposes of conversation here is uh, number one is that he, he was a good person. Uh, that is, that is not always true of, of people in general and certainly people in, those kinds of positions, they're, they're, they're not always the nicest people, and Robert Altman apparently was, uh, but, but really, the guy clearly was, a, was able to be both a nice person and an excellent business person as well, because you go from, from Todd Howard's little Elder Scrolls team to something, to, to, and you grow that into something that one of the biggest companies in the world, Microsoft, comes along and and pays seven and a half billion dollars to acquire. So that really speaks to Mr. Altman's business acumen. And uh, yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame that uh, he won't he won't be able to see the the, the handoff uh, to Microsoft through. But condolences to uh, to the entire Altman family. All right, back to let's let's talk uh, something a little a little uh, more game specific here. Grand Theft Auto V, uh, one of my favorite games of all time, just continues to crush. I, I couldn't believe this when I read it. I mean, I could, but I couldn't. In, the, in an earnings brief, Take-Two, the parent company of Rockstar, revealed that Grand Theft Auto V is now up over 140, 140, 140 million copies to date. Uh, and they've added, they've sold 10 more million, 10 million more units since May, so like in less than a year. And in calendar 2020, GTA V sold more copies in any other than in any other year except for 2013 when the game first came out, and it, it, which, when it did 32.5 mil 
right out of the gate in 2013. And of course, it came out in September, so it did that in a quarter. Uh, GTA Online continues to crush. They uh, More players each month in 2020 than any other month since launch. And same thing, more GTA Online players in the full year of 2020 than in any other year since launch. Uh, it's this thing's this thing's unstoppable. Uh, Cam, are you a are you a GTA Five fan? I'm. Here's the thing: I like all Rockstar games, and but I'm never I've never been a big GTA person. I like I like I love Red Dead Redemption Two. Like I'm just dying for whatever next gen console update for that game that I think is inevitable. Um, that was my favorite game of the last generation. Um, and one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, but you know, GTA five, like it's just, it's just an approachable game for like, a, just such a, like a huge audience. And it's just, it's just fun. It's just fun to go in there. Like to just, you know, mess around, put in, uh, I don't know if GTA five has this, but like you put in the cheat codes, get like a tank and just, sure. you know, have a, just have a whole lot of fun, you know, get those five stars, uh, and uh, GTA Online, I've heard great things about the heists. I've I've heard, and that, that that's like one of the things that I actually kind of want to jump into G, uh, GTA Online for is to try out the heists because th- those sound fun. Like those are that's something that I'm just like uh, I would really enjoy. Um, but you know, the thing that I'm actually curious about is I wonder if um, the copies that were given out through the Epic Game Store last year are included in this because there was a week. I want to say where uh, the Epic Game Store gave away the game for free, so I'm yeah, curious if that. I don't actually... think it was. I don't think those are included. Um, okay, okay. I, I believe this is still that. copies sold, not okay, not just distributed. Sure, sure. Okay, yeah, but yeah, um, you know, uh, this game is just nonstop. You know, <laughs> we'll, we're not going to see GTA Six for a, a while. Still, this is like the third generation's going now, and it's it's still it's still trucking. Miranda, this is uh, it's it might as well just be burned into your monitor as as the head of IGN's wikis team. I mean, this people, <laughs> it, it's one of our highest traffic pages is not people just continue to come look for cheat codes and, and game help with this. Yes, there is a lot to find and do in GTA five, um, especially if you've already played through the campaign. It's like, all right, time to time to whip out the cheats. So <laughs> camp. Yes, there are plenty of cheats in GTA five. <laughs> um, but one thing that I have definitely seen is. This has always been popular, but I think even more so I've seen more people interacting with the GTA Online um, role-playing community, which I don't know if you guys have ever seen those streams, Mm -hmm. but they're so fun. And so if you haven't really heard much about this, what they do is they have these servers set up where you have to be in character. You have to take a character in Los Santos, and if you break it, you get booted. Like, you are banned from the server. So it's just a really fun way, because, like, there's just so much to do. Um, and then there was a new heist that came out, so I'm sure that was really popular with people. Um, but just the community that's built around GTA Online is really interesting. So I think I'm not really surprised to hear that it's still doing well. <laughs> but um, it's cool to see that the like the, the popularity of online is just shown in this way too. Like I've already seen my own numbers of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Or I've seen people get on Twitch. But then just having that earnings brief to talk about it makes a lot of sense. Brandon, are you surprised that it's still that it's just had its best year <laughs> since the launch? Um, <clears throat> I mean, am I surprised? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I would not expect it to have its best year now, right? This game came out 
what 2013 and 2013. has been has been available on across two different generations for a number of different consoles with a number of different modes so the sales figures kind of line up i mean look all of this all of this is without the context of understanding it is a once in a generation kind of game um you know there there are certain games like miranda's miranda just said there are certain games that sort of go beyond just being a video game and become a platform for creativity and community. I, I could think like Mike, Minecraft is easily there. Skyrim is easily there, I think, with the modding community and GTA uh, as well. So I'm not surprised to see the sales figures, especially because once the community gets a hold of it, they continue to create uh, and, and Rockstar has continued to support it. But the fact that it, it sold more over the last 12 months than it has in any other 12-month period it's kind of mind melting to me, uh, especially knowing that we're going to get next gen versions yep. soon. Um, so it's 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 not even like they're putting it on everything like Skyrim, right? You could play Skyrim on your refrigerator. Um, it's it it's not just an accuracy by volume. This is a game that continues to be sought after by the audience, and and just sort of further further illustrates the fact that Rockstar could just do whatever they want, anything. They can yeah, do anything. I mean. That's a good point. The GTA 6 is in development. As Cam noted, who knows when the heck we'll see it. There's obviously no pressure to put it out anytime soon. It's almost like like does it's it's like a a major band. Like do you want to put out a new album while the old one is still like top of the charts? <laughs> is that even a good idea? But um yeah. but yeah, like the the budget not, I mean, GTA Five had effectively an unlimited budget. Uh, it was in development for a long time. They spared no expense, um, Jurassic Park style. And uh, this one now, like, there's nothing that Take Two says no to, right? If oh, Rockstar nothing. says we need, we, we need, need to steal a- the Declaration of Independence. Exactly. And like, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Oh, you need to blow up the Statue of Liberty. That's <laughs> yeah. fine. We'll cover it. Yeah. No worries. Um, but yeah, it's like, there's just no, there's no financial pressure. There's no time pressure. I, the only pressure on Rockstar at this point is topping themselves. Yeah. I mean, which, which is, which I don't say flippantly, like that's, that's a, that's a real thing. Like I, I am of the opinion, I've said this many times before. I think, I think it's 140 million copies. I think it's well-earned. I believe GTA five is one of the greatest games ever made. I think it's just an incredible artistic and, and technical achievement. Um, I'm really excited to do a, another playthrough. I haven't played it in a while now. I want to do another run through the, the campaign uh, when the next gen versions hit. And I think at that time, that's also when I want to dive into some of this GTA online content that I haven't played. Like I, I played the first heist that they put out, the online heist, but not the new one. Uh, so I want to dig into all of that. You guys are all invited. Let's do it. Four players. I can't <laughs> wait for this. I can't wait because you're going to get out of your apartment into a community that's been going on oh, for yeah. like seven years. You're going to have your nice suit on. You're going to have your right. sunglasses, a very modest, reasonable four-door sedan. And then someone with like bunny ears wearing a mini skirt with fishnets and a, a hockey mask on is going to be like fresh meat. And like Everyone, a monster truck. Yeah. Look at the new blood. It's, it's going to be like the purge. I can't wait. oh that'll be good yeah but yeah this it's it's really insane like um 
I wonder what GTA six even is even, you know, how do you, how do you yeah. follow it? What do you do? Uh, at Vice this City, point, baby. Yeah. Go back to Vice City, baby. Is it even you never a video know. game? You know? That, that, that would be like, that would be something. Cause I actually do remember like Vice City is probably the closest GTA game that I have like, uh, love for. And if, if, if GTA six was going back to Vice City, I, I would get it. I would get it. Yeah. I would, would too, in me. a heartbeat. That was my favorite before, I think probably before five. I just love that aesthetic. I love the soundtrack. Everything about just yep. like the really overproduced 80s vibes that you got from it were fantastic. See, I would, yep. I would respectfully argue that Vice City, that you guys love Vice City for, for reasons, for everything but Vice City itself. You know, Ray Liotta mm-hmm. was great. The time period was great. The soundtrack was great. Uh, the story was great. I, Vice City is actually my personal least favorite. And that's not to say I'm not, I think it's a great game. It's still, it's a great, great game. But Vice City is the most geographically uninteresting piece of land that Grand Theft Auto has ever, ever been on, in my opinion. I think so you're the, right. And and I mean, I don't, I think you're right only because I don't remember like I'm, yeah. You know, it's a I've flat never, rectangle. Yeah, yeah. I've never wanted to be a city planner. Like I don't know right. how good, how, <laughs> like how good is one city versus another. I think just the more detailed and the more interesting that they are, Vice City has the unfortunate, you know, um, the unfortunate truth working against it that you know it came out over a decade ago, not longer. So um, maybe it's just Vice City is going to turn twenty in next year two two decades ago yeah um but you know who's to say that like vice city in 2020 you know six isn't the best version of a of a gta city and that's just because of know-how and time but i I think you're right like i don't remember the city but i also think the majority of what makes grand theft auto games interesting are the personality and the character that i agree to those so I, i think for those reasons is why i love vice city so much even though I can't remember yeah. like the square footage or, you know, how, <laughs> how interesting the streets were. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that you're taught you're, I don't disagree at all, but I do also think a bit, at least, and maybe it's different for different people. For me, mm-hmm. a, a, another significant part of the appeal of GTA is, is the geography is the land. Yeah. Like the first GTA three, the, the three separate sort of chunks that unlocked as you progressed uh, in in GTA three of Liberty City were really interesting. Uh, each of them just like felt like oh th- this whole new, totally different area that I'm exploring. And then San Andreas, of course, blew it out of the water completely with you know with San Andreas with San Fierro with uh, uh, what was the Vegas called? Ven Las Venturas was it? I don't quite remember the, the, but you had the, and then all the like rural country in between. Yeah. And then uh, four going back to Liberty city again, still, it was just, it was such a dense detailed environment that that's, that made it really interesting. And then five kind of went back San Andreas's way. And, and, you know, you've got, you've got, you've got San Andreas or Los Santos proper. And then all the rural stuff out in the country. And it's so, that's that's the re- only reason I I would not want to go back to Vice City. I mean, I'm sure it would be great, right? But I would want to see. I'd love to see them do something new. But um, but yeah, it's what a what a what a franchise it is, and uh, I 
I just can't wait to see how they decide to try and top themselves. All right, quick check of the clock here. All right, we've got to move on. We've got about nine minutes left before everybody's got to move on to their next meetings and things. So, gosh, I'm, I'm leaving like three, yeah. you get, you four get time for one. <laughs> news stories on the table. My goodness, we'll have to... Uh, we need to do like an unlocked after dark kind of thing where we can just uh, <laughs> like the alcohol comes out and then we just start talking about the rest of this stuff. <laughs> Let's move to the loot box instead for now uh, and hear from Luke from the Xbox expansion pass. Hey, Unlock Crew, Luke from the Xbox Expansion Pass here. My question for you is a simple one. Right now, 2021 looks fairly dry in the AAA space as far as first party goes for Microsoft. Are we expecting to hear more about a first party slate in 2021, or are we expecting it to be a bit more dry overall due to pandemic or other reasons? Certainly 2022 looks bright, but do we expect this year to have any major titles that we yet don't know about? Take care, guys. Cam, let me go your way first. You think Microsoft's got any any big surprises left uh, that that we'll actually see this year? Well, there was this rumor going about like last week or or maybe two weeks ago that they that they might have like two hidden uh, first party games under their belt. I don't know like the validity to that or what those could possibly be, um, but I think just going right now, um, this is. This is Halo Infinite's year, you know. Um, it, it was supposed to be last year, but it's this year now. Um, and I think, but I think that 2022 is going to be a really big year. Um, I, I think that you know we, I think that's going to be Hellblade. I think uh, potentially there's, I mean, there's Fable, there's Everwild. I think those have potential of coming out um, in 2022 as well. Um, who Forza. knows? Starfield, uh, Forza, yeah. Yes. So there could be Starfield. Um, I could see coming out in 2022. Um, at the earliest, I'd be really surprised if that was announced for this year. Um, you know, there's there, twenty twenty one is is you know more or less a just you know we're going to show you things that are coming in twenty twenty two. Miranda, um, I think I think we'll get at least something else in addition to Halo. I just think they haven't announced it yet. Um, I as we have established last year was supposed to be Halo's year, so I think they probably would have had something planned for this year. It is the first year of the Xbox Series X out in the world. Um, it would be baffling to me for them to not have something else in addition to Halo, unless it's uh, pandemic delays. Right. Um, and maybe they'll message that. We never know until they say something about it. So I do think we're going to get some surprises this year. But also, I want, I want Gears, guys. Where's Gears 6? Just kidding. It's probably next year. I'm excited. About yeah, they, well, they, Miranda, they've been on kind of a, a generally a three-year cycle with the Gears yes. games, right? So that would put it at 2022, right? Mm -hmm. It was 20, 29, September 2019. Is that right? Yeah, because it wasn't last yes. year. No, no, it was not last year. It was the year so, before. Yeah. So. It, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I would rather get Gears 2 remaster before we get Gears 6. Because Gears 2 is my favorite Gears, and I... Oh my god, I, I want a remaster of that game so bad. I definitely want Gear 6 over that, but that's <laughs> no, okay. No, what? Gear 2 Maybe is so year. good! It, it is good, oh. but I'd rather have Gear 6. I want to know more about the story. I, you know, <laughs> Cam, I gotta say, I mean, I, I all I have is my own intuition and gut feeling. I feel like the ship probably sailed on that, because they did, of course, <sighs> the Gears 1 remaster. I feel yeah, like, I feel like they probably would have yeah. done... 
they would have done two by now if they were going to do well, it. That could I mean, be they like did this. one and then they did five. So, you know, now they can do two and then well, they, no, they, can do they did one. And then they, one, the Gears one remaster was before Gears four, was before wasn't four. it? Oh, it was yes. before Gears four. Yes, it was their oh, first, man. it was their first project. It was four, then it was five. Yeah, they got so their if they go feet back wet. to two. Yeah. If I'm could, still. So they remaster one game every trilogy, essentially. <laughs> I'm still going to dream big. I'm still going to dream big. Coalition, please remaster Gears 2. It, in, my, in my opinion, it is the best Gears game to this day. I still remember that campaign vividly. Please remaster Gears 2. There you go. You heard it here first. Um, Brandon Tyrell, any, you, what do you think? You think Microsoft's got something else hiding up their sleeve for 2021 besides Halo? I do. I agree with Miranda. I think that this is the first year that the next-gen console is out in the wild. Um, it would be kind of silly to assume that Halo would have dropped last year and then they would have nothing to follow it up this year outside yeah. of the medium and a, a few other third-party things. Um, but I also don't think that these are going to be like, you know, blow the world away franchise kind of games. If Starfield yeah. comes to fruition, they announce at E3, and they follow what's becoming more of a trend in the industry, which is shorter uh, marketing cycles. So from announcement to launch, if they follow that and Starfield goes big at E3 and they drop it in November or whatever, um, you know, that's a big game. That's arguably the biggest game uh, in their portfolio right now, uh, upcoming portfolio. But I, I do think we're going to see some of these smaller side projects from the first party studios. Every studio's got an R&D team or a team that is scoping out other ideas, um, prototyping. So I think we could see some things along the lines of like Ninja Theory's Bleeding Edge um, or maybe something smaller from, you know, games that sort of the likes of, of Rare uh, in that sort of scope, you know, yeah. nothing huge, sort of like mid-tier kind of, um, you know, uh, smaller, more compact games, more grounded, more... Um, things like that. I don't think we're going to see a big hidden AAA first party game that, you know, they just didn't reveal. But I I would love to be wrong about that. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. I mean, I I feel like that we've Microsoft shown most of their cards at this point, at least as, as far as we know, it seems like it. Like we know what most of the studios, the new studios are up to. Um, but yeah, I hitting on something a couple of you mentioned. I think Starfield's the the big one that that it's like the wild card for this year because yeah. they, of course, when when Halo Infinite was planned to be the big launch title, uh, they're I'm I imagine the Bethesda acquisition, even if they were talking about it back then, they didn't know they probably probably right. didn't know that it was gonna happen. They thought well maybe, but um, if if Starfield if if it's actually ready to go this year then then that's the one i mean imagine like a one-two punch for them of halo and starfield in november Insane. or october november if mm -hmm. if starfield is uh goes in october i mean that suddenly you've you know that's that's the first time microsoft can really hit back at sony in the like major exclusives department um but if not and it falls to 2022 cam just gave quite a list of major 2022 games that we probably should expect to see uh, out of first party studios. So 
I guess the bottom line is, even if this year ends up being the year of Halo and not much else, the 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 floodgates appear to be opening in 2022, and and they may never. Hopefully, those gates will never close again uh, after yeah. 2022 with all these studios that Microsoft's got in the fold now. And they're apparently trying to uh, acquire more, acquire more studios. So that'd be good. Even bigger. That, hey, long, more the merrier. The con. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we are at it. We'll have to hold unlock block trivia till next week because we have oh. hit time. Uh, the producer mandated time. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Cam, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Cam Final Mix, and I stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Cam Final Mix uh, Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific time. And I'm currently playing through Halo 2 on Legendary. Nice. With, Brandon uh, Tyrell. Find me on Twitter at Brandon Tyrell. Just my name. Perfect. And yes, producer John Borba, I'm blaming you for this because people always ask, why aren't the podcasts longer? Well, there are production reasons. Believe me, there are good reasons. Uh, Miranda <laughs> Sanchez, take us home. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, wherever you have a username, probably at Havoc Riz, and let's Havoc with a K. Brilliant. Uh, for Miranda, Brandon, and Cam, and super producer John Borba, and uh, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Unlocked 481. Busy times in Xbox land. We'll see you next week. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.